don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. It's October 5th and time for your Social and Six update. As always, we're bringing you the six most important news stories from the ever-changing landscape. To fill you in on the news you might have missed and to give you plenty to talk about in our Facebook group. So without further ado, let's get started. Facebook says that it's making a shift towards private communications. First up, Instagram and Messenger have officially launched cross-platform messaging. Yes, it's the news many of us working in social media marketing have been waiting for. Facebook has finally merged Instagram's chat functions with Messenger, which basically means anyone on Messenger will be able to message friends and family using Instagram from the app and vice versa. To put it into even more simple terms, both inboxes on both apps will be compatible. Along with this huge update, Instagram's head of platform, Adam Missouri, also announced nine other new features, some of which have been popular on Messenger, but are new for Instagram. They include the new Watch Together feature, which we previously covered on this podcast. That alone will mean friends on both platforms can watch everything from IGTV content to Facebook Watch content from their respective platforms. In addition, the merger also brings with it new tools like vanishing messages and new selfie stickers will be coming to Instagram. For a full list of those new features, you can check out the Social Minds Facebook group. So why the merger? Well, we've seen it on the cards for some time. Mark Zuckerberg has long made it his plans to merge Facebook's family of messaging apps, and WhatsApp is expected to join that list as well in the future. Now, one theory for Zuckerberg wanting to merge Facebook's family of apps is that he's protecting Facebook from attempts to break the company up. More control over Facebook's biggest acquisitions is another reason. Nevertheless, it's a huge update that stands to benefit users, brands, advertisers, and publishers in equal share. And Facebook executives in 2018 said that the story format is on a path to surpass feeds as the primary way people share things with their friends. Eve, major one for the social media landscape, Pinterest and LinkedIn have launched stories. Yes, in the same week, LinkedIn and Pinterest both unveiled their takes on the stories format. LinkedIn's announcement was part of a redesign and made what has been a month-long experiment official. It was in testing in various markets, but is now rolling out to all users in the US and Canada with plans to roll it out to all global users in the coming weeks. As well as stories, LinkedIn's redesign came with search features, including new filtering options and the ability to find things like online courses from the main search tool. LinkedIn messaging is also getting emoji reactions and video calls in chat. As for Pinterest, their version is called Story Pins. So like stories, Story Pins combine multiple pages of images, videos, and text. But Pinterest's approach is different to other platform stories in a few key ways. Firstly, they're not ephemeral, meaning that they don't disappear after a day. They can be found through the main search bar and other discovery tools on the platform. And the main interaction with a Story Pin, just like with other types of content on Pinterest, is to save it for later. Now, I can picture LinkedIn's version of stories being useful for building personal brands and strengthening connections made on the platform, but I'm more excited for Pinterest's version. That's because as well as being tailored to discoverability, which fits with Pinterest's core function as a search engine, story pins are the first feature to make Pinterest a destination where creator content can be published directly and on a primary basis, rather than just distributed and shared from elsewhere which opens up lines of communication with your audience here that brands haven't had before and makes it a real social platform, not just a search tool. Pinterest has also launched new creator profiles to display this primary content, complete with an analytics dashboard. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. Next up, Facebook has launched Account Center to help users manage their many social media accounts. Yes, we've already had a story about social media platforms merging, and this one follows a similar suit. Facebook has recently launched Account Center, which is a new tool that is accessible via the settings menu on Facebook, Messenger, and Instagram. 
The purpose of this new tool is to allow users with multiple accounts that sit within Facebook's family of apps to have more control over their preferences, from single sign-ons and two-factor authentication to cross-posting. The update follows the new business suite app that Facebook recently launched to help brands better oversee their cross-platform campaigns. But one of the most exciting elements of Account Center is the news that Facebook is planning to add Facebook Pay to the service. Naturally, that will only be available to US users when it launches, but when it does launch worldwide, it will mean that users will be able to edit their account info and more easily manage purchases for everything from cinema tickets to designer clothes across Facebook and Instagram, which have both been ramping up their social commerce efforts lately. We'll just pause for a minute to bring you something from the Facebook group. Now, when we were browsing through the Social Minds group, we noticed a comment from Chaz van der Motter in response to a post about audio tweets and audio DMs. So, like many of us, Chaz simply wants to know, why are they taking so long to launch? Well, Chaz, as Eve just said there, I think many of us have had the same thought, but I can empathize with Twitter taking its time over this to some degree. After all, this is a feature that has the power to fundamentally change how many of us use Twitter. There's also the matter of accessibility, which is something I've discussed before. You remember when Twitter first announced audio tweets, they were slated for being inaccessible to anyone with difficulty hearing. Fortunately, I do have an update on both fronts. Twitter has just announced that audio tweets are coming to more iOS users in the coming weeks. So good news if you have an iPhone. And with that, it's looking more and more likely that transcriptions for audio tweets and hopefully voice DMs after that will launch by the end of the year. Unfortunately, desktop and Android users will still have to wait until 2021. And I imagine if it's not the tech holding matters up, it's simply down to being able to test the initial response to voice tweets when they launch more widely. Nevertheless, as soon as we hear more, we'll let you know. Yes, thank you, Chaz, for sending that in. And thanks, Theo. Now back to the stories. Raise your hand if you have ever, ever right-clicked on a Google image and used it for your social media or something to do for your online presence. Next up for New Eve, Facebook to let people claim ownership of images. That's right. Facebook has launched Rights Manager for Images, a new version of the existing Rights Manager in Creator Studio that uses image matching technology to help creators and publishers protect and manage their image content at scale. Now, this applies to both Facebook and Instagram. And while it's just being tested with certain partners at the moment, the goal is to open this up to everyone. This means that if a brand like National Geographic uploaded its photos to Facebook's rights manager, it could then monitor where they show up, like on other brands' Instagram pages. From there, the company could choose to let the images stay up, issue a takedown, which removes the infringing post entirely, or use a territorial block, meaning the post stays live but isn't viewable in areas where the company's copyright applies. There's also some concern about how this update could change the way Instagram works, where accounts often share the same image and tag the presumed original rights holder as credit. Creators would have to rely on their own photography or image creation to avoid having posts taken down. It suggests Facebook wants Instagram to become a place where original images are shared versus regurgitated, but this could impact brand pages that frequently share memes. Finally, from Theo, Reddit has set up shop in the UK. Yes, huge news for fans of Reddit and brands too. Reddit has opened up a new UK HQ in Hoburn, London, with the aim of alerting brands and marketers to the huge potential of advertising on Reddit. As per Campaign Magazine, this is Reddit's first expansion into the international market for 15 years, and the platform is already set to partner with Samsung, Netflix, PlayStation, and Pringles as a result of the move. Heading up the platform in the UK is Tarek Mahmood, Reddit's head of international who joined the business from Roku. On the subject of advertising, another Reddit-related story you might have missed concerns the launch of several new advertising options. Now, we all know Reddit covers the full gamut of the internet, corners of which are not always brand-safe. 
In response, Reddit has launched expanded, standard, and limited inventory types, which will give advertisers access to Reddit's maximum inventory pool and then more protected options thereafter. Reddit's limited inventory has actually seen the company partner with Oracle Data Cloud's contextual intelligence tools to add an extra level of security for brands. Something tells me we'll be hearing more from Reddit soon. So the paid opportunities are within our video ad environment and then also within our augmented reality environment. And lastly, Snapchat is pitching new Platform Burst ad campaigns. Yes, Platform Burst is essentially a new media buy from Snapchat, which advertisers can use to ensure their campaigns reach a certain amount of people in the app, frequently over three or five days. These ads promise to reach more people more often than Snap's other ad options. And Snapchat is currently working with select partners to gauge how much brands would be willing to pay for such a product. From what we know already, in the three to five days a platform burst ad runs, Snapchat has guaranteed advertisers that those campaigns will reach at least 40% of their target audience 15 times, and that the burst of ads over a concentrated period of time kills the argument that ads on Snapchat are easily skippable and, as a result, are less likely to be seen. Advertisers will be able to split their platform burst campaign into different formats across different parts of the app. It could cover story ads in Discover, ads in publisher stories, and Snapchat commercials, which play in between Snapchat shows. Snapchat is definitely becoming a serious contender for video ad budgets in the UK and the US, which makes sense considering its audience. More than half of America's Gen Z population watch Snap originals, and these ads also function in a similar way to TikTok's takeover ads, which also perform well with that demographic. Eve, really, really interesting on that last story as well, especially because a lot of the theme of this podcast has been around ad inventory and the advertising options that these other platforms outside of the Facebook uh, ecosystem are offering to advertisers. Especially you see a lot of value in that Snapchat ad burst uh, style of advertising because you're right, you know, there is a propensity to, to skip ads or to, you know, for recall to not be as high if you, if you see one thing once on social media. So, you know, if you keep, I guess, like TV traditional advertising that way, if you see the same message repeatedly, then surely it has a better chance of sticking. Yeah, absolutely. I think the TV comparison is quite apt in this sense. So when I was reading up on the story, there were a lot of, sort of ad execs comparing it to TikTok. And like I said, they do function in a similar way to TikTok's takeover ads, but this is much more comparable with TV uh, in terms of the way it's delivered. And I think you're right. You know, Most of the reason that some brands are wary of Snapchat is because a lot of their ads have been skippable in the past. And they can be quite pricey as well. I mean, this new spot looks like it's going to be quite pricey as well. But if it's worth it for the results and things like higher ad call, ad recall, like you say, Theo, I think it's worth exploring. But also worth noting that, you know, like any other ad media buy on Snapchat, your success is going to come down to, you know, the creative execution and how well you're actually using the platform itself. Because as we know, Snapchat really thrives on its creative tools and, you know, all the different effects that they're able to offer. Yeah, definitely. Point well made there. I completely agree with that. I mean, and as for your stories there we can't not talk about uh, Facebook Messenger and Instagram direct finally merging I'm quite glad it happened because I was worried people would start thinking that we'd uh, we'd just been spinning this because it has been a long time coming and I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on where where do you think this is gonna uh, take things now do you think it'll be a while before WhatsApp joins in and how do you, how will this change people's behavior I mean, honestly, I think uh, WhatsApp joining the party is going to be quite imminent because uh, we saw a few stories teased a while ago of people spotting uh, WhatsApp-related code in Messenger's backend. So I, I think mm. it's a case of sooner rather than later in terms of WhatsApp joining the party. I mean, as for how it will change user behavior, I'm really, really interested to see who, uh, you know, the sorts of demographics that are going to be taking up this feature because seemingly, I mean, if you like probably the three of us, 
a lot of us have messenger accounts. We've also got Instagram accounts, you know, we're quite active across all of those platforms. I do think one of the things that people probably won't be talking about is the relationship between uh, younger demographics and older demographics. So, you know, it sounds like a gross generalization, but for a lot of uh, older demographics who use messenger, but maybe not Instagram, the chance to connect with friends and family that way and it be a more seamless experience is definitely a benefit there. And I also think mm. one of the most exciting parts of this feature is the watch together feature. So now messenger users who aren't on Instagram will be able to watch IGTV videos for the first time and also uh, vice versa when it comes to Facebook watch content. So a lot of uh, potential there for all audiences. And it, this, you know, this seems like a service that has a lot of gain for Facebook, that has a lot of gain for brands, but also, mm. you know, for the first time in a while, a lot of benefits to users. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think like that watch party point is exciting. Um, but also your point about merging audiences. So the age point's a really good one. And I noticed, you know, when uh, Facebook's redesign became mandatory on desktop in the last week, you could see that Instagram integration there on Messenger. And the new layout makes it really easy to see what's filtering in both from Instagram and Facebook. So our marketing manager said that, you know, we should use that to look at our messages from Instagram and Messenger. And I think that's an indication of people's behavior, mostly from a brand standpoint, because it does just make it easier to use. And, it, you know, it is a means to an end for Facebook merging those audiences. So to get people who aren't on Instagram on Facebook and vice versa. But for brands, I think it's worth noting that that means, you know, you'll be able to reach your audiences elsewhere and maybe migrate the two as well. So it is a win-win. I'm excited to see um, what it does. Tune in next week, guys, where we'll be joined by a very exciting guest in Toa Dunn, who is calling in all the way from LA. He is the head of Riot Music Group. Now, you've probably heard of Riot Games. They are obviously the creators of League of Legends. And what Toa's role consists of is very much working with artists and independent musicians and putting soundtracks into some of the biggest video games in the world. So stay tuned for that one. going to be really interesting. Also, you might remember Social Chain Strategy Director Mike Blake Crawford from previous Social Minds episodes on topics like meaningful engagement and platform predictions. Well, Mike is going to be joining the Social Minds team on a more permanent basis, and we're currently exploring new content streams that we can bring to the show. So if any of you have any requests or ideas on what you want to hear from Mike, then please let us know in the Social Minds Facebook group. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs>